Our first reading for this Sunday is from Genesis, the 18th chapter. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd took a calf, tender and good, gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We write. So according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious, troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We can be yours in Christ. You may be seated. Thank you for the opportunity to come today and represent people of the Book Lutheran Outreach. A thanks to Pastor Walter, who I've known longer than you have. And I am living to be a tremendously faithful, caring pastor. And, uh, and I remember when he received a call to come here. And great. And may God bless your ministry in the midst here at, uh, at this beloved church of Good Shepherd, we, we at Pablo, and I don't work in a sense with Pablo and the volunteer because I have a heart for their ministry, but I'd like to share today as we begin the Great Commission verses, which you probably many know by heart, but in Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came to them. And who is the them? 
The verse before indicates that the 11 disciples had gone to Galilee. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead. He had instructed that they were to go to Galilee and he would meet with them there. St. Paul records when he defends the reality of the resurrection that over 500 people had seen the resurrection, resurrected Jesus at one time. And I wonder if it doesn't make great sense that it's when the apostles went to Galilee and those who knew him, who had heard him preach, those who had seen his miracles, those people who had come to believe and trust in him as the Messiah, gathered together and he appeared to them. And his message for them was this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And they left Galilee, letting them know it back to Jerusalem, and they, and about 120, who may have been part of that group, which would mean, do the math, there'd be 380 or more that stayed in Galilee. But regardless, they went, and with them went the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because the gospel was on the move, and the gospel has been on the move ever since. As people are on the move, and God's people are on the move, the gospel continues to be on the move, reaching people. I think about those people gathered there. They all had a time in their life when they did not know Jesus. But now they knew him. They knew what it was like to know the one who had taken away their sins has promised them eternal life. And not only for them, but for the whole world. I really imagine God was real to them. And Jesus was real to them. And the people with people of the book Lutheran Outreach, the missionaries that we have placed in various cities, missionaries who are either converts from Islam Hinduism or Sikhism, or grew up in predominantly Muslim countries, they know God is real. They know Jesus is real. And they have a fervency to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, especially reaching to people who are immigrants to our country, who come with languages and cultures that we sometimes have a hard time understanding. But our missionaries understand them and can come alongside of them where they are, show them the love of Jesus Christ, and proclaim to them the good news of what he has done for them. And many, once they have true Christian friends, and once they have all their questions answered, 
comes also to know Jesus and how real he is. Jesus, the risen Lord, appeared to these people. And he, has he appeared to any of you? I see a lot of head nods. I'd like to share with you about our missionary we had for a few years in St. Louis. Patty and his wife Vicky were our missionaries from Pablo in St. Louis, and they came from Egypt. Patty worked with a church in Egypt. And a Muslim convert who had had a dream or a vision about Jesus came to faith. And one day he said to Hattie, I imagine you Christians all have these dreams all the time. And Hattie said, no, I don't. It's only you Muslims who do. Now I'm not saying we want to put experience above truth. Okay? Don't put experience above truth. We know the truth. The gospel, the word of God, that is truth. But it's all right to put the truth where it may be experienced. And I believe that many times as these Muslim people hear the gospel from someone, the Lord is appearing to them in dreams that are biblical, dreams that do not violate what the scriptures teach, and dreams as they tell about them again and again indicate that Jesus wants them to believe now, if Jesus wants them to believe in him, what should we want for them? Huh? What should we want for them? To believe in him. To know him in their hearts. We as Lutheran Christians have a great, great theology and heritage. We have tremendous doctrine. We have wonderful liturgies. And our Lutheran confessions kind of remind us of something that we're not saved by our great doctrine. See, we're not saved by all the stuff you might have between your ears. All of the right things we might know about God. Lutheran confessions indicate clearly that what saves is faith in the heart. And God works that faith in the heart. He works that conversion through his means of grace. For many, it began for baptism. Others, like myself, I would say, kind of came hard. Came a while later. But God works. I believe this God guy is real. And he does stuff. And he's doing stuff now. But the gospel is on the move around the world. It's around the Muslim world. We live in a day when the technology allows us to reach the people who are unreachable because of their governments and their closed systems. But now they can be reached. And many of those people who are fleeing other countries and coming here are now in our presence, living among us in a country where we have the freedom for them to hear the gospel and for us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news, friends, that you have, the good news that you have by faith in your heart, that all the imperfections in our life, all the crud, all the nasty thoughts and all the harmful words and all the stupid actions of our life, every little bit of it, all that stuff we'd like to go back and do over, change, but can't. All of that is forgiven because Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his blood to cover 
our sin. He became a sacrifice to satisfy God's wrath toward us, to assure us of everlasting life. The big issue for us to settle, we know we're going to heaven, right? We can know, we can know we are going to heaven. Jesus says he that believes has eternal life. It's already begun. John the Apostle says, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. I had a conversation with a Muslim man in my neighborhood. And in our conversation, he emphatically said, no one can know for certain they'll be in heaven. No one can know for certain they'll be in heaven. You see, that's what Islam teaches. They can do all they want. He can, he, can, he can do Ramadan every year. He can bow in prayer so much that he has a mark on his forehead. He can do all the things, washing himself the perfect ways according to the descriptions of Islam. He can do all the stuff. He can go to Mecca. But even then, he has no assurance that he'll go to heaven. A Muhammad himself, that he didn't know for sure that he would go to heaven. But we know. And you saw a Muslim who leaves Islam does so with a tremendous cost. We probably have a hard time imagining the price they pay. Come to Bible class tomorrow and we'll see a video of one of our missionaries and kind of get a picture of the price they pay. But those who come to trust in Jesus are willing to sacrifice everything they have to know Jesus. I baptized a young lady a few years ago. She wrote a three-page testimony before her baptism. And in it, she said, I may be killed for doing this, but now I know I'm in the right religion. A man asked for prayers in Bangladesh. And he said, in Islam, there is no salvation and no hope for heaven. Now I know Jesus. Not only am I forgiven, I have real hope in, for heaven. May God help rescue people who are trapped in all these misconceptions and bring the truth of Jesus, who Jesus really is to them. And it isn't that hard, friends, for us. One main thing we need to know when we get in a conversation with a Muslim, always talk about Jesus. Keep the conversation on Jesus. You'll be safe talking about Jesus. They'll right away acknowledge they believe in Jesus and all these things. Our missionary in St. Louis had a lady, a Muslim friend, holding him on the phone and said, I believe in Jesus more than you do. And he said, oh, great, and you believe He's the son of God, and he rose from the dead, and he paid for our sins. And, oh, no, she didn't believe that. <laughs> They'll claim they know Jesus and believe in him because the Quran talks a lot about him. But their concept of Jesus isn't accurate. It's not the truth. We want to share the truth of who Jesus is. Many, many, many years ago, there was a Muslim doctor in India. And he was evidently going down the street either to a call or someplace or just happened to be going down the street and he passed a Christian church and he heard the preaching. And he went inside and he sat in the back pew and he listened to that message. And that Muslim doctor in India became a believer in Jesus 
came back to Islam, and when he wouldn't come back, they tried to poison him. They tried to kill him, and he had to flee, and he left. And he left where they lived and went to what is now Pakistan and continued a faithful Christian there. Years later, those very brothers who had tried to kill him were involved in a, in a conflict between the Muslims and Hindus in India, and they were on the losing side. When they fled, they came to the brother they had tried to kill and asked for his help. Remind us of Joseph and his brothers, doesn't it? The calendar rolls on. This man has children. He has grandchildren. Two of his grandsons are serving as engineers in Saudi Arabia. They're involved in the underground church there, and they happen to be working with a Lutheran Christian engineer, and they evidently make the indication they're interested in their family moving to Canada. Missouri Synod at that time was interested in getting work started in Michigan among the Muslim population there. And so they asked these two brothers to come to Michigan and start a ministry to the Muslim population in Dearborn, Detroit area. And they were the grandsons of that doctor. They and another brother came here. All three are now ordained as they were pastors. Somewhere around 1992, they started working with people of the Book Lutheran Outreach, and they continue to work and to serve the Lord tirelessly, training missionaries, overseeing things, reaching out to people. See, the gospel is on the move. The gospel is on the move with Christians who are on the move. And the gospel is on the move sometimes to reach people who don't know him but are on the move. We know in the book of Acts how Philip was told to go down this road and there was this Ethiopian man headed back home reading the scroll of Isaiah. And in that scroll, there's the prophecies of the of the Savior. Philip could explain that to him out of those words he was reading, and he was baptized with the Ethiopia. There's been a church in Ethiopia. He's like in the beginning. And a couple of disciples, Thaddeus and Bartholomew, traveled northeast from Israel, and they went to Armenia, of all places. And there were people who were converted, and there were a number of secret Christian communities established, but the two apostles were martyred there. But Christianity survived, and Armenia became the first country in the world to make Christianity its official religion. The gospel is on the move. Christians fled Europe because of persecution. The first Lutherans that came to America fled the Thirty Years' War. And Lutherans that started eventually the Missouri Synod fled because they wanted to be able to proclaim the gospel and teach it clearly and properly without interference. In the last century, the country of Papua New Guinea has become, we're told, 99% Christian. 
Ethiopia now has more Lutheran Christians than North America, or at least the United States. Over half the population of Zambia in Southwest Africa are Lutheran Christians. The gospel is on the move. It's on the move. And it's on the move with Pablo, or people of the book Lutheran Outreach, with some people who already now have the gospel. Now, you're aware of the news and how America pulled out of Afghanistan, and therefore the Taliban is now in control. Well, people of both Lutheran Outreach had a Martin Luther Computer Training Center in Kabul, and they were training Afghan people, and as a result, several Muslim Afghan people were baptized into the Christian faith and had to flee to Turkey, Albania, and Pakistan. And now we are in partnership with Orphan Grain Train to bring those people, to resettle them in a place, you probably won't guess, Norfolk, Nebraska. But see, I'm going to be bringing those people who didn't know Jesus and now know him to the Midwest. May their witness be clearly seen and proclaiming Christ as love. People of the book Lutheran Outreach is proclaiming the gospel to people who need Jesus. We have started a new mission in Austin, Texas, led by an Iranian convert from Islam. And she has already led an Iranian Muslim lady to be baptized and two others I heard we're in instruction, they may be baptized by now. A man from a Muslim country in Michigan came to English as a second language class because he had received an invitation. Someone was handing out invitations, gave it to a Muslim lady, and she gave it to him. And when he came, he, for the first time in his life, was able to hear the gospel and understand clearly the Christian faith, and he became a believer in Jesus. He was baptized at the age of 60. Is there anyone here about 10 years old? Has anyone here been 10 years old? Anybody been 10 years old? Some of us. Well, that man said, when he was growing up, in a Muslim community, in a Muslim family, he decided at age 10 he did not want to be a Muslim. But the whole context of his life was in Islam. He had no way of knowing anything different until he got to Michigan and he heard the good news of Jesus Christ. They called him in Michigan the man who waited 50 years. 50 years. How many are waiting? How many don't know what they don't have? How many need to learn about Jesus and for the Spirit to work faith in their hearts? At Atonement Lutheran Church in Dearborn, Michigan, there are 250 Afghan refugees who are receiving classes, sewing classes, English classes, driving lessons, and other programs. 35 from Yemen are coming there in their purpose daily to various programs. This is good news 
People in the book Lutheran Outreach has identified a Muslim convert who was born and raised in America. So he's fluent in English. And now he's being trained to become a pastor through the SMP program. And Pablo is planning to plant a church parallel to Atonement Lutheran Church. A second campus for Pablo in Michigan at, at Hope Care and Beyond Christian Counseling Services is something fairly new. They now have four counselors and it's very successful. You can imagine how immigrants have been through a lot of things and counseling can really help them. Christian counseling shows the love of Christ in their care is especially a tremendous way to reach them. And so now the desire is to hire 10 more counselors and expand the work to other places. There's an English language church at the second campus for Pablo, and then they have all nations congregation meets there for people from India and Pakistan. And they're planning to start an afternoon congregation there of people who speak Arabic. Budgets are always a problem, you know, because we are committed to have these missionaries pay for full-time work so that they don't have to go out and have another job. They can focus on their ministry. And we have placed missionaries in a host of cities, in Ohio, and Michigan, and Minnesota, and other places. And I want to plan, they want to plan a missionary couple in Cincinnati, Ohio, very soon, because there are 46,000 Muslims in Cincinnati, and the mayor of the city is a Muslim. They're in the process of bringing a missionary to Omaha, Nebraska, and they're looking at possibilities of placement in Lee Summit, in Kansas City, Missouri. So the gospel is on the move. And friends, I'll confess that being around Pablo missionaries and be around people who know what it's like to really be persecuted for their faith. When I look at how we live in America as Christians so comfortable that sometimes I'm afraid I'm a spiritual couch potato. Pray for spiritual couch potatoes because we really don't want to be made all that uncomfortable to get out of our regular zone of life to really meaningfully reach out to another person or to reach out to an immigrant person who needs to know the Lord. The good news is we're forgiven. That the Lord loves us, even when we're couch potatoes. And we look to Him, and we confess our sins as we did this morning, and we hear from Him forgiveness, and the forgiveness that's real, that Jesus is real, and His death on the cross was real, and that the forgiveness is real. So we don't go around just and beat ourselves up now after today and say, oh, I'm a terrible couch potato Christian, and I'm no good. No, we don't do that. Instead, look to the Holy Spirit's power to get us off the couch and to get us fired up to go and proclaim the wonderful goodness of Christ and to look at what we can do as this congregation does a lot of ministry to 
people to children and youth and so many are involved in all of that. You care about your grandchildren. And by the way, if you care about your children and grandchildren and want them to learn a little story about how to not judge people by appearance, if you'll give at least $10 in the door offering, there's a book on the table back there that I wrote for my children when they were little to teach them that concept. So at least $10 in the door offering, and you can take one of the books. Not what I do. Isn't it great that this gracious, marvelous God, who people didn't know, appeared to them and told them they were to go and make disciples? And in Luke's gospel, Jesus makes it clear the simpleness of this gospel. He says the two things they are to share is about his death on the cross and his resurrection. That's simple. Let people know that Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world, lived a perfect life, and especially those two things. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose to life, to never die again, verifying that his death was full payment for all of us. And we proclaim and glorify God for the opportunities we have to live life in him. Don't underestimate that people are watching you. Non-Christians are watching you. Non-Christians watch us. And when they see Jesus in us, they realize there's something different about us. And we have the opportunity then to tell them who made the difference. Because it's all about Jesus, our Savior. It's all about Him and the good news that's on the move also through us. In His name, we give thanks.